0: Amen. May be seated. So good to be with you once again uh, on this time change Sunday. How many of you, and you're going to date yourself um, pre iPhones and things that change themselves automatically, how many of you remember having to find every clock in your house? Right? And now you have iPhones and they do it for you. And, you know, man, that used to be kind of stressful, you know be like three weeks later you go in the bathroom oh I forgot that one or you know Um, but we're here and uh, isn't it nice to be together you know it's just uh, I was telling the the team at uh, at our eight o'clock meeting there's such a a peace when when we gather and and that theme is really what we're going to be looking at as we continue uh, through the armor of God and we're going to start again in this, this core passage from uh, Ephesians six ten uh, through 15 this morning, and I'll just jump right in. It says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. And so we remember that Ephesians is a letter written by the Apostle Paul to believers in the city of Ephesus and the surrounding regions. And in this uh, particular passage that we've been working through, he, he speaks a biblical truth about spiritual warfare, that there is a devil and there are spiritual forces of evil in darkness uh, that we are warring against. And he, give us, he gives us very clear direction as to how we are to stand. And that word stand means to stand firm, right? Not give an inch. Uh, we've talked about this uh, for several weeks now. Uh, Warren Wiersbe says, The danger on the battlefield is that we do not take the enemy seriously and therefore fail to put on all of the armor. And so part of it looking at the armor has been uh, this uh, reminder and this question each Sunday. Well, this morning, did you put on the armor? Yes. Okay, amen. There we go. <laughs> right. Someone's been listening. <laughs> You're right. And, and, it's, and it's not just sort of theological uh, pie-in-the-sky mental ascent. Oh, yeah, that's a pretty good idea. I should probably do that sometime. Uh, what we've been really looking at is the seriousness of spiritual warfare. In fact, we understand in um, verse 11, it says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Right? And we looked at that word schemes. That that's just not general scheming. It's specific scheming that the enemy... Uh, schemes, strategizes. uh, The tactics that he uses is unique to each one of us. Knows our weakness, knows our areas of temptation, knows our kryptonite, if you want to call it that. And so uh, your battles this week were probably different than mine. And yet we're all called to put on the same armor. Isn't that pretty cool? Right, and so there's a seriousness to this. Right, we we looked in First uh, Peter that, that uh, the devil is like a luring ryan looking to someone to devour. This isn't a game. This isn't VBS. This isn't something good for kingdom kids where we put on you know a costume and we go, oh, that's so cute. Uh, this is this is serious. And in 30 years of pastoral ministry and all the counseling, uh, you know the, the things that we see the destruction, the the devastation in families. Um, It's very real. It's very real, very sobering. And sometimes I think even in Ojai, um, you know, we're comfortable and it's a nice place to live. People come up for the weekend. The hotels fill up even during this time. Right. And it's just very nice and it's very clean and it's very, you know, very safe. Right. And so uh, sometimes we can even um, maybe get a little bit uh, deceived into the messiness of the spiritual warfare. Um, particularly, maybe our lives are good. And we kind of get lulled into this sense of, uh, well, you know, okay, yeah, I hear about spiritual warfare, but uh, I'm okay. Aren't you okay? We're genuinely okay. Uh, But it's very serious in nature. So, so he says that, you know, there's an urgency to it. We need to put on, we need to put on the whole armor of God. And we've been walking through it. And this again is one of those, uh, series that I encourage you. uh, We're to, we're to put on the whole armor of God. And so it's not like one of those series where you just hear something one Sunday and then kind of dismiss it because we're moving on. Uh, it all builds on each other, right? The belt of truth was central. It holds it all together. And what was that all about? It was about putting on Jesus. And it was about girding your mind, preparing your mind for action. Right? We looked about that. We looked at that. And then last week, we looked at the breastplate of righteousness. What was that all about? Well, it's waking up this morning and saying, Father, thank you. Thank you that I'm clothed in the righteousness of Christ this morning. How many of you celebrated that? How many of you consciously said, Father, thank you that you are pleased with me right now, that, that positionally... I am clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. So when you're looking at me right now, Father, there's a big old smile on your face. You are pleased with me as I sit here, as I sit at home as a believer. Father is pleased with me. I mean, if that doesn't... Thank you. Someone's smiling. Someone gets that, right? I mean, we're like, you know, I say, Father is pleased with you. He couldn't be more pleased with you. You're like, "Mm -hmm. mm-hmm, that's good. Wow, that's that's deep. You know, and Bill just goes Right? I mean And I don't know I don't, I, I, I don't know where that comes from. Maybe it's our culture where you are told because of social media that you're never good enough and you don't measure up. And there's always someone uh, prettier, more wealthy, better off than you or something or somehow the world or your parents or your friends or your coworkers, or your boss. They're always sort of not pleased with you. And so when I tell you that father, the God of the universe, is pleased with you as much as he could ever be because you're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Your mind doesn't know how to you, you just don't. I think there's just like resistance to that. Too good to be true. How many of you have about a good, too-good-to-be-true moment with that? I mean, right? Where is that coming from? Maybe the enemy. Maybe you're sitting here, and I just said that, and the enemy right now is scheming because, for whatever reason, you doubt that. Why would you doubt that? That's not my opinion. I'm not, I'm not saying, well, you know, God's really pleased with you because I say so. You know, in this case, it's on the authority of the electronic Bible. You know, uh, if I had a real Bible, I would show you on the authority of Scripture. God is pleased with you because you're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Okay, I'm going to say that again some time down the road. And I'm hoping that in 15 minutes, it will have sunk in deeper and you really believe that. Because until you start believing these truths about you, you're going to kind of just not experience the full victory that you should be. It's like the half-empty Christian. And it's like, why are we the half-empty Christian? He's given us everything we need for life and godliness. We're the overflowing Christians. We should be the overflowing Christians, and yet fear, uncertainty, doubt, insecurity, whatever. We're the half-full Christians. And we expect to be salt and light, and we're supposed to be ambassadors of reconciliation, and we're going to invite people to the well so they can be around half-full Christians? Where is, this? Where, where is this? And this, again, is just part of putting on the armor every day, because the minute you wake up, it's going to come. It's going to come. The enemy doesn't wait for you to be ready. And I shared with you a couple weeks ago, the enemy doesn't take weekends off. It's not banker's hours. It's all the time, right? And so even now, struggling with the biblical truth that we looked at last Sunday, that you are clothed in the righteousness of Christ, that the God of the universe loves you dearly, could not love you anymore because he sees you as righteous as his son. Come on, right? We got we to let this really sink in and we got to start appropriating it. We got to start living according to these truths, okay? So so we spent time with that. And then this week, we're going to look at the shoes, right? Ephesians 6.15 says this, And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. So we're talking about shoes now, right? And there's a couple pictures coming up. We, We saw this. The Roman soldiers would wear sandals. They would have spikes or studs or nails in there designed to help them with their footing and you notice uh the soldier on the right looks like he has shin guards those are called greaves and those are made of brass designed to protect uh, the shin imagine playing soccer against that guy right that would that would be a doozy um so yeah maybe those are the original soccer shin guards the greaves but uh, we're talking about particularly the sandals right and the sandals Uh, It says, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, the gospel of peace. Now, if you were to study this, you would come across some of the the commentators and and research who who tend to think that this uh, passage, this verse refers to being ready to share the gospel. And we should be ready to share Right, First Peter 3.15 says, always be ready. Second Corinthians 5.20 says, we're ambassadors of reconciliation. So there is a sense that we should be ready to share the gospel of peace. But in the actual context of putting on the armor, it's more about standing with the gospel of peace. See, that radically changes, radically changes everything. The, the Bible knowledge commentary says this, this verse does not speak of the spreading of the gospel. For Christians are pictured in verse 10 through 16 as standing, not advancing. Instead, this refers to a believer's stability or sure-footedness from the gospel, which gives him peace, so he can stand in the battle. So maybe part of the devil's scheme in your life, in my life, focuses on lack of peace. So before we before we move forward and 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 Examine these shoes and the gospel of peace. In whatever definition, as you sit here and as at home right now, just think about this. On a scale of one to 10, how peaceful was your life this past seven days? Now, 10 could be I experienced high peace, uh, zero was I had no peace, okay? 10, ultimate peace, zero, zero peace. Just think right now. In whatever definition, however you define peace, give it a number. As you sit here, reflect on the week. What was your level of peace? Okay? And do the same thing at home. Because here's the thing. Was it biblical peace that you just gave a number to? What is your definition of peace? Because quite frankly, many of us define peace as the absence of of bad circumstances or bad feelings or bad something. That's not biblical peace. That's not biblical peace. That makes it really important for us this morning to understand what these shoes are, because if we're to stand in peace against a scheming enemy, we better understand what biblical peace is. Because for a lot of us, In his own unique way, he gets you at your level of peace. He gets into your mind, and he gets into your emotions, and you're tied up in knots, and what you're really battling is at the level of peace. Because maybe you're trying to eliminate, avoid, deny, run from anything bad. Because if I eliminate all bad in my life, then I'll have peace. But how many of you know that that's pretty impossible? Right? So if we're on this hamster wheel of trying to eliminate all the bad, because once I do that, then I'll have peace, well, that's never going to happen. So we may have to really ask ourselves, what is peace then? Because the survey says, everyone here and everyone at home, how many of you would like peace in your life? Okay. So if you want peace, we better be clear on what it is, biblically. Because how else do you know that you're, you've arrived? How are you going to know if you have true biblical peace if you're not clear on what the definition is? How are you going to stand up to an enemy that wants to rock your world at the level of peace when you don't even know what you're looking for ultimately, right? What is peace? What is the gospel of peace, right? And it's interesting because in the New Living Translation, we're going to look at some, some verses here, right? Look at the uh, NLT. It says, For shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. So I love that because we're to put on the peace. The shoes are peace, we are to put on peace. Okay? So we put on a belt, we put on a breastplate of righteousness, and then the third piece is peace. So every morning we're to put on peace. Well, how do I put on peace if it's defined as eliminating everything bad? Right off the bat, that definition doesn't make sense according to this verse. If, if, if I can give you a laundry list of everything bad in all the trials and tribulations in my life, how am I supposed to put on not that? Because that's reality, right? So it's not the absence of adversity. It's not the absence of bad circumstances. It's not the absence of bad feelings. That is not biblical peace, right? Otherwise, we couldn't put it on. Otherwise, we couldn't put it on, right? In Ephesians 6, 15 in the ESV, we said, And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, the NIV says, And with your feet fitted, with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And in the New King James, I like, this ver- I like this word, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Remember when we said gird? Right? Everyone say gird. Remember that word of gird? Our, gird our loins? And you're like, gird? Who uses gird in 2021? Well, I love this word too, shod. Everyone say shod. 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 Okay, did you shod this morning? I, I shaved. Is that close? You know, I I, I I ate breakfast. Did you shod? What is shod, right? Because we're to shod your feet. All right, so look at your feet. Did you shod your feet, Barry? I did. <laughs> it's not shooed like a horse. You didn't even shoe yourself. Shod, what is shod, right? New King James, we're to shod your feet. The word shod means to bind, to secure, right? Eileen, put up the picture of the uh, sandals again. So if a soldier is going to shod his feet with the sandals, he is going to make sure that those bad boys are bound up, wrapped, not moving. How many of you have played sports and you know the importance of the right footwear, but not just that, that the footwear fits and is shod? It's laced up, ready to go, no blisters. It's got to fit and it's got to be shod. I mean, you make sure before the game. You don't want your cleats getting loose. You tie it, it fits right, not too tight. It's just shod. Okay? So every morning, we're to shod our feet with peace. We're to bind, we're to secure our feet with this thing called peace. So, what is what is that? Right? Because it's important, because that word preparation means foundation or firm foundation. This peace that we're supposed to shod our feet with is the firm foundation that we stand. So we better understand what we're supposed to be shodding ourselves with, because it's the foundation, right? In the Amplified Version of 6.15, it says this. Having strapped on your feet the gospel of peace in preparation, and then here's the explanation, to face the enemy with firm footed stability and the readiness produced by the good news. Okay, so here's the thing. If you're a believer, at some point, you probably put your faith in Christ. You heard the good news, right? The gospel means good news. We talked about it last Sunday. So you put your faith in Jesus. Maybe some of you uh, recited a prayer or whatever you did, um, but you responded to the good news and you said, okay, this is when I put my faith in Jesus. Some of you know dates, some of you don't. Uh, that I, I responded to the good news. And then what you did is you forgot and you moved on. This verse reminds us, and you'll see by the end, we are never to, re- to forget. We can regularly remind ourselves of the good news. Part of shodding your feet With the gospel of peace is every day to celebrate the good news. Who you are in Christ because of your faith in the good news in Jesus. Shotting your feet goes back to the gospel of peace that you professed, right? Wayne Barber says this. The Greek word refers to the basis, foundation, or the firm footing of something. This implies a firm and solid understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Causes me to dig in. When the devil comes at me with deception, I have an understanding and am firmly fixed upon the truth of the gospel. The cleats on the believer's sandals provide a firm grasp on what the gospel of Jesus Christ is about, which Paul explains is a gospel of peace. You see, some of us have focused on it's a gospel of sin and heaven and hell and forgiveness. All those things are there, but how many of us ever looked at it as it's a gospel of peace? A gospel of peace. Ephesians 2.17. He came and preached what? Peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. In the New Testament, the the biblical word for peace is to join or bind together that which has been separated. The word picture is unity. Reconciliation. That's biblical peace. It has nothing to do with your circumstances in life. Biblical peace is to join or bind together. Kind of like having it all together, like everything is the way it's supposed to be. That's biblical peace. Now, what they're talking about here with the gospel is first and foremost, peace with God. Everyone say with. So if you want true biblical peace, first and foremost, you have to have peace with God. Key verse, this is a great memory verse, Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace, what? With God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So the very first step, if you want to shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel, you got to have peace with God. It starts knowing, right? And as a human, isn't that one of the deepest like needs we really have? Every human on this planet, do I have peace with my maker? Do I really know? That I have peace with God. And what is the basis? If you put up Romans 5.1, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith. That word justification, we've gone over it before. It's judicial. It's a legal declaration. It's a judge saying, not guilty. But not just not guilty, fully righteous. So if you, if you put your faith in Jesus, you are justified. Everyone say Justified. You are justified, which means a legal declaration by the judge has been made. And he says, Barry, legally in my eyes, not guilty, fully righteous. We got an amen from Barry, right? (laughs) Okay, because many people think, again, it goes back to being clothed in the righteousness. You think when you put your faith in Jesus, all your sins are forgiven and you just became morally neutral. You're just back to zero. That's not it. When you are justified by faith, you are declared not guilty and fully righteous, clothed in the righteousness of Christ. That is a legal declaration. That's a legal declaration in the court of God, the ultimate judge. I mean again. That's got to put a spring in your step. Okay? Now, because we have been justified according to Romans 5:1, we have peace with God. So you know what it means, Barry? No matter what happens today. No matter what trials or tribulations may come your way. Maybe it's your day to meet the Lord. doesn't matter because you have peace with Him. At the most base level, the fear, anxiety, worry, insecurity of our security, of having peace with our makers, taken care of through faith in Jesus. Amen? That is the starting point for shodding your feet every morning, is to celebrate, I have peace with God. Come on! Right now, our country and this world is filled with insecurity and lack of peace. And people are focusing on the pandemic and economic and all this, you know, uh, conflict going on. But deep down, they need to have peace with God. That's what really matters for eternity. Right? What does the Bible say? What does, it, what does the prophet of man, he gains the whole world and loses his soul. You got, you, you got to have peace with God as the starting point to get up and get out the door. Okay, not even out the door, off your bed. Peace with God. Come on, that that's a celebration. like. We take that for granted, right? Oh, I said that. I got saved uh, 30 years ago. And now we just, you know. No, every day you wake up and you say, thank you, Father. I have peace with you today. No matter what happens in my life, even if this is my last day on this planet, I'm not worried about it because I have peace with Father. If this is my last day on this planet, I am going to be welcomed home. I don't, I don't... That deepest insecurity that many people are carrying because they don't know if they're ready to meet their maker. As believers in Jesus, we don't carry that. Amen? Yeah. That's a deep peace. That's deep joy. That frees us from circumstance. That frees us, because what is, what is what, on this planet, what is people's, one of their greatest fears? Death. And why are they so scared of death? Because they don't really know what happens after. Why aren't we scared of death? Because we know, on the authority of Scripture, we know we have peace with Father. That's a great, come on, how much, how much weight just goes took? Right? This is the basis of true biblical peace. John MacArthur says this, The gospel of peace is the marvelous truth that in Christ we are now at peace with God and are one with him. Therefore, when our feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, we stand in the confidence of God's love for us, his union with us, and his commitment to fight for us. The believer who stands in the Lord's power need not fear any enemy, even Satan himself, when he comes to attack us. Our feet are rooted firmly on the solid ground of the gospel of peace, through which God changed from our enemy to our defender. We who were once his enemies are now his children. And our Heavenly Father offers us his full resources to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Amen? This is why we have to preach the gospel to ourselves every day. Right? You know, Randy comes up usually at the end of service and in some way, shape, or form, he'll repeat the sinner's prayer. Right? And it's funny because I hear believers around, some of you, you recite it. With Randy, and I'm like, "Isn't Tyler saved? He's a pastor. Why is he saying the prayer again?" You know, and we joke with Tyler because he says, "I say the prayer every Sunday with to, with with Randy." You know, there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with every day reaffirming your faith in Jesus. Reaffirm your faith in Jesus because it's a reaffirmation then of your peace with God. It doesn't mean you're not saved. It doesn't mean you didn't believe it yesterday. It just means every day you wake up and say, Father, today, I just want to reaffirm my 100% faith in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And because of that, Father, thank you that today I can celebrate once again my peace with you. And because I have peace with you, I can now experience the peace of God. Right? So there's, there's the peace with. Everyone say With. Now, that peace with God through faith in Jesus leads us to the peace of God, which brings us into the practicality of life. So, there's with the peace, with leads us to being able to experience the peace of as his child, right? How do we do this? Well, in prayer, Philippians 4 says this Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, Rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of, everyone say of, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So this peace of God, which is available only to the children of God who have peace with Him, okay? Not everyone has the peace of God. This is directly to us who have peace with Him, okay? Okay? This peace, when it says guard, that's like a military garrison. So this peace of God is designed to guard what? Your heart and your mind. Where's the devil usually scheming? Your thoughts and your emotions. What's our, what's our defense? The peace of God. Which comes from having peace with him first and foremost. Right? What is, what is this word peace? It says this. An inner quietness and trust in God's sovereignty and justice, even in the face of adverse circumstances. This is a profound agreement with the truth that God, not we, remain in charge of the universe. How many would love that peace of God during the day? This inner quietness, inner strength, inner peace that God's in control of it all. That's what we're talking about, and the thing here, where it says surpasses all understanding, it's supernatural. You have to remember the fruit of the spirit Galatians five twenty two, love, joy, peace. So it has nothing to do with me trying to eliminate all the bad things in my life. If you want true biblical peace, it's a fruit of the spirit. You got to be in the spirit. Okay, that's where it's coming from. So we pray, we pray, right? And then we gird our minds. Another, if you want the peace of God, look at Romans 8. For those who live according to their flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and what? Peace. What's the Spirit? The Word of God. Set your mind on the Spirit, the things of the the Lord, things of the Spirit. And it says, according to Romans 8, that's life and peace. Right? 2 Peter 1, 2 in the New Living says this. May God give you more and more grace and what? Peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Okay. Set your mind on the things of the Lord. Keep growing in your knowledge. And what happens? Greater peace. So one of the reasons you should be in your word daily, one of the reasons you should be going to Bible study and studying, the fruit of peace. When the devil comes in and attacks your thought life, what's your answer? The word of God. Okay? It's peace. And and I've shared with you in years past some ways, maybe, okay, so there's Bible memory, uh, memorization, you can do that. Go to Bible studies your own studies on your own, listening to sermons, right? Lots of ways to be in the Word, setting your mind on things above. Uh, I, re- I re- recalled as I was prepping for this, you know, many of you uh, remember uh, clap, remember that? Neat way, right? Uh, first one, right? Ilia put it up. We are complete, loved, accepted, pleasing. Right? Great way to remember these profound biblical truths. I put some verses there. Man, if you want to celebrate... If you want to shod your feet, well, you can clap every morning. Seriously. And I've shared this with you. These, when I was a young believer and I learned these and I started preaching and I would have these opportunities to speak and I would get really nervous. What are they going to think about me? Oh Lord, I don't want to sound like a fool. You know, I I would get all all anxious and, and then I would just do this. Okay. You're complete. You're loved. You're accepted. You're pleasing. And it would calm me down. Because I would get my focus off of me and I would get my focus off of the people and pleasing man and all this. And I would go, complete, loved, accepted, pleasing. Okay. We are complete, loved, accepted, pleasing. It makes me want to clap, Barry. It doesn't make everyone want to clap. But, you know, every morning, I am complete, loved, accepted, pleasing. I mean... Most of you grew up saying, you are incomplete, you are unloved, you are conditionally accepted, and you blew it and you didn't please me today. Yeah, you got to clap, right? Most of us grew up with the opposite of that, in some way, shape, or form. That's why you have a hard time accepting this. On the authority of Scripture, you are complete, loved, accepted, pleasing. I mean, that's shotting your feet. Like even before you roll out of bed, you pop your eyes up. (laughs) You haven't even got out of bed. You haven't even moved. We need that because where's the enemy mostly scheming us in our minds, in our thoughts, in our poor self image, in what someone said to you 30 years ago. And you bought into this lie and you've been trying to prove them wrong all your life and you feel like one big disappointment. And then you transfer that human uh, angst and human sadness and human grief, and you go this way. And now you've convinced yourself that because that happened to you on the human level, that there's no way a God in heaven could see you as complete, loved, accepted, and pleasing. And so you walk around trying in your best effort to prove that you somehow deserve his grace, to pay him back, Here's the thing. The Bible says that we are saved by grace. It is the gift of God. Okay? So salvation is a gift, unmerited favor. If I give Barry a gift, and and Barry, we've exchanged gifts every once in a while. If I give Barry a gift, and in Barry's mind, he decides to pay me back for the gift in some way, shape, or form, not just monetarily, but, oh, now i got to do something. You know what he did? He just transformed a gift into a debt. It's no longer a gift. Instead of just receiving something unmerited out of my love for him and saying thank you, wow, and maybe welling up with love back and it deepening our relationship, if he goes, "Wow, I got to pay him back. I don't deserve this. I got to pay him back." Now he's working off a debt. A lot of us as Christians turned the gospel of grace into a debt. You're still trying to pay back God for forgiving you. That's why you're not joyful. That's why your Christianity is duty and works. And you feel like you never measure up. Because the truth be known, you can't pay him back. And deep down, you know it. But by golly, to your last dying breath on this planet, you're going to try to pay him back. You can't pay him back. And if you'll stop trying to pay him back, you'll stop making the gift into a debt. And maybe you'll just receive it. And maybe you'll just be overwhelmed and flooded by his grace. And that will so radically transform him that you will literally, for the first time, say, Here I am. I love you so much. You gotta stop paying him back in your mind. It's a gift. The Bible says he died for you while you were yet a sinner. You didn't even do anything to deserve the death. He just did it out of his grace and love. So don't try to pay him back. Don't turn the gift into a debt. Because if you're doing that, you're not going to celebrate being complete, loved, accepted, and pleasing. Because now, now you have to pay him back for these four things. Now you got to really show him that you're complete. You got to really show him your love, deserve to be loved. You got to really show him that you deserve to be accepted. You got to really show him that I shouldn't be voted off the island, you know, because I am pleasing. See, now you're trying to live up to standards. These aren't standards to be lived up to. These are truths to be celebrated. You got We flipped it. We flipped it. We turned these wonderful, incredible truths into burdens and debts. And now we walk around, and and instead of joy and the fruit of the Spirit coming out, we just console each other with how bad we messed up this week. Where did that come from? Where did prayer requests come from in small group? Pray for me because I really blew it this week. Pray for me because I'm a lousy Christian. Pray for me because I didn't. Where does that come from? Well, it comes, I think, comes from trying to measure up to something you will never be able to measure up to in the flesh. But in the spirit, there's freedom. In the spirit, let him transform you. Sometimes, here, note to self, you got to get out of the way. Accept the fact that you didn't deserve it and you ain't going to pay it back. Just get out of the way, receive it, and let the spirit have his way. And for some of you, it's very hard. Because you don't like receiving nothing for free. Uh, isn't it hard, Barry? Right? I give you a gift and right away you mm-hmm. And now we start one-upping each other. Right? I take you to McDonald's. You take me to OBC. Now I got to take you, right? And now all of a sudden we start comparing the game, you know? And we just all get tied up in knots instead of just celebrating. I am complete, loved, accepted, pleasing. Yeah. I have peace with God. And if someone says you, you're like, i know, crazy, huh? <laughs> That's why Paul, when Paul says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Amen? That's all you say. Someone from your past, someone from high school say, man, I knew you from high school, and you weren't a very good guy back then. And you're like, yeah, I know, man. That's crazy, huh? By the grace of God, I am what I am. And they're like, what am you? Well, I have peace with God. (laughs) I am complete. I am loved. I am accepted, and I am pleasing. And the crazy thing is, I know I don't deserve it. If we will just get to that place so much, Of the duty and drudgery of following Jesus will go away. And you will just be free in Christ to be who He made you to be. You know, so I tweaked that a little bit as I was studying. I'm like, well, let's just add or, you know, adjust this clap to include some of these truths from today. So, complete slash child of God, it's up on the screen. Loved, accepted, pleasing, and peace. With and of. Come on. I'm a child of God. I am loved, accepted, and I have peace. Right? Isn't that crazy? I'm a child of God. I am loved. I'm accepted, and I have peace. I mean, again, that's not my opinion. That's the authority of the word of God. And, and you know, I wish I could, like, and pour it in there so you would believe it. I can't. You got to believe it. You got to appropriate it. You got to act on it. Right? Because it says in Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. You have to believe. Peace is directly related to believing. A lot of us are maybe struggling that you don't really believe it. And then you got to ask yourself, why don't I believe it? Right? Profound question, do you really believe what you say you believe? Because according to Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Do you believe you have peace with God? Do you believe you can have the peace of God? Do you believe you're complete, loved, accepted, pleasing? Do you believe you're a child of God and you have all that? If you believe it, here's the crazy thing. Your face will, will tell me because you can't help but. Do you believe it? Do you really believe it, right? And then, and then if we have faith, your faith needs to have an object, right? It's not just some generic faith. Faith should have an object. So here's two objects for your faith. Number one, the promises of God. What are you going to believe? Barry, what do you need to believe? You need to believe the promises of God, right? And here's a promise that hopefully will give you peace. There's tons of them, but I just thought of this one. Romans 8, 28. We know that for those who love God... All things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. How many see the peace of God in that verse? You see, it completely flips that definition we talked about at the beginning, where the, the, the peace, you might define peace as removing all bad. Biblical peace is in all bad, God works for the good. Isn't that crazy? You see how it flips, flips it? And so we focus on. The promises of God. Now, here's the challenge. When things happen in your life, do you tend to focus on the problem or the promise? Makes all the difference in your thought, life, and emotions. Think about what happened this week. Think about what maybe the problems, however you want to define that, as you're sitting here, as you're at home. Are you focused on the problem or the promise? Radical difference. With peace. Radical difference with the peace. Okay? And then how many of you, when you get off kilter and you no longer have peace and you're anxious and fearful and worried, how many in that state have made some pretty poor decisions? Because now you're, you're just, and now you're in damage control, and now you're in fix-it mode, and now, ah, 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 and you're just reacting and you're making all these decisions that for whatever reason just make it worse. Okay. So focus on the promise. Great memory verse, Romans 8, 28. And then we focus on the presence of Christ. Alexander McLaren says this, Peace comes not from the absence of trouble, but from the presence of Christ. Which takes us back to peace with God. So first and foremost, if you want to shod your feet, you have to have Christ, the presence of Christ in your life. Right? John fourteen twenty seven, peace I live with you. This is Jesus. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And here's the same verse in the New Living. I love this. This is Jesus talking. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Jesus himself says, I'm giving you a gift of peace of heart and mind. And it begins with him. He is the Prince of Peace. He is our peace. If you want this peace, the gospel of peace, if you want to shod your feet, first and foremost, you've got to know Jesus you got to have his presence in your life. And then focus on the promises. Focus on the promises of God. So we have peace with God. Jesus to the peace of God. So now if I asked, as you head into this week, where's your peace level going to be? See, now you're in the driver's seat of the peace level. Because your peace this week is really dependent on where you're going to focus. Moving into this week, here's an application. Moving into this week, the circumstances take a back seat. You can choose your level of peace. Because you can choose where to focus. You can focus on the problem. Or you can focus on the promises and the presence. Where you choose to focus will determine the number you will give your peace this week. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that incredible, though? We can choose in the power of the Holy Spirit where we want to focus. Okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for helping us to understand what it is to shod our feet with the gospel of peace. Thank you for reminding us that it begins foundationally with having peace with you through faith in Jesus, that we are justified by faith. We are declared not guilty, fully righteous by the God, the judge of the universe. And because we have peace with you, we can continuously experience the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, which is designed to guard our hearts and minds question is where are we focusing Do we focus on the problems do we focus on the promises do we focus on the problems do we focus on the presence of Jesus continuously in my life and as we prepare for communion I would just encourage us this morning to really turn your eyes on Jesus and and choose to focus on Him. To remember what He did on Calvary. To preach the gospel to yourself. To reaffirm, even now as you prepare for communion, reaffirm your faith in Jesus. Yes, you don't deserve it. Yes, you will never be able to pay it back. It is a gift. And maybe this morning you turned the gift into a debt. And this morning you want to ask God to forgive you and reaffirm the receipt of a gift. Just receive the gift of salvation. Receive the truths. You are complete, loved, accepted, pleasing. You are a child of God. You are loved, accepted. You can have peace. Receive it all as a gift, as you receive Jesus. So, Father, we give you this time of communion, time of reflection, time of prayer, time of confession, whatever it would be. But we do it all in remembrance of you, Jesus. Thank you thank you that in you we have peace peace with god and the peace of god which surpasses all understanding amen